Welcome back to the Aging Project Podcast. I'm your host, Shelley Craft, and together, my friends, we're on a mission to age well, bloody well, if I'm being honest. Let's be real, though. We all need guidance when it comes to aging well, and that's why we've gathered the best possible support team for us. No topic is off limits, and I promise to ask all the right questions, your questions. Before we dive in, don't forget to join our growing community of women from around the world. Sign up at theagingproject.com.au and become part of the Aging Project community. You'll gain access to our treasure trove of podcast episodes, our free five-day morning challenge, and did you know we now have an online store called You Must Try It? It includes products we've discovered from our podcast guests and community. Think low-tox skincare, low-tox makeup, supplements, and more. You'll only find products we've tried, tested, and we love at youmusttryit.com. Are you ready to begin today's episode? Alrighty, let's do it. Even with all the money in the world, you may not be happy, right? And that's the thing to remember is that without your body, you can't have an epic retirement. If you aren't healthy, you don't look after your body, if you don't address the science of aging in your life and think about how and how you might live longer and have a better quality of life, you'll be missing out. Today we're talking about a stage of life that we all reach, that is retirement. I'm told 10 million Aussies will enter retirement in the next 10 years. And so that begs the question, what will we be doing with our time? What is retirement and will we be happy? Personally, this isn't a topic that I've given a lot of thought to for me, although my parents are now in semi-retirement. Life just seems too busy to even think about it. I haven't put the forethought into it. Um, I do have a vision board for my next reno, but not for my retirement. But I have a feeling my conversation is about to make that change. Today, I'm excited to chat with Beck Wilson. She's the author of How to Have an Epic retirement. And who doesn't want that? Yes. Hell yes. Bring it on, Beck. Great to have you with us. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I'm going to put it out there. You're not quite old enough to have retired yet. No, I'm 47. uh, And I think we look forward into a generation that wants more from retirement. Even people retiring today want more than generations before them. So having run starts at 60 for 10 years and grown it, um, to a massive followership and and learned from retirees all over Australia just what they didn't know on the way through. I felt it was important to start telling the truth about how industries worked, about how the journey of retirement works, and to do the research, do the hard work um, that maybe people in retirement don't have time or interest in doing uh, and putting it all down on paper so that people can know it. Because a lot of the decisions you make at this time in life are one-off decisions and no one tells you how to do a one-off decision. Uh, you go to a batch of advisors, you learn it for yourself the hard way and then you do it and then you don't tell anyone how to do it, right? That's, that's how motherhood's done as well, right? Uh, no one shares the secrets uh, until, they, until they trip over them. So I think retirement in this modern era has changed so much that some of the old advice uh, might not be what we need anymore and we need some new stuff. Well, I think too the idea of retirement perhaps was, well, I'm not, I'm not going to be around to enjoy much of it so, you know, I can't plan or suddenly it's, a, it's upon you and you didn't even know it was really coming. Yeah. Um, I've got some wonderful quotes here that retirement is wonderful if you have two essentials, much to live on and much to live for. 
And that's God, that's got to be true. That's a good it? one. It's a good one. And I think we forget that this is 35 years of your life potentially if you live by <gasps> current lifespans. And we'll, you know, it, it, it is, you've got to have something to do and work is not necessarily your purpose in retirement. No, or... Or is it? I mean, what what is the retirement age now? I know when you're allowed to cash in your super, but is that really retirement age? Well, there's nothing to say you can't keep working, but it depends what you define retirement out of as. And I I define retirement as a time when you move from earning your primary income from work, mm-hmm. right, and you earn it from your exertion to earning it passively. Right, you you draw it from superannuation, the pension, different sources of income, and then you get to choose what you do with your time. Now, you might still choose to invest it into things like working, mm-hmm. but then when it's a choice, it doesn't matter quite as much how much you earn from it. It's less competitive. It's less of a rat race, and it's much more about choice. And I think choice is what modern retirement really is. Goodness, which does sound exciting rather than daunting or something to um, yeah, say, signal the end of your worthiness. I think a lot of people it's think that, yeah, different. that end of your working life is really just the beginning of real life. Right. And it, it's very different because we didn't have a world where passive income was something we could actively talk about until superannuation had been around a long time, mm-hmm. long enough to be, it's 31 years since we got superannuation, right? So now it's starting to really get its groove. The people that had it in midlife have been able to build up a balance mm-hmm. to supplement their incomes or to become their primary mm-hmm. income. And that brings choice. So, well, what does retirement look like for Australians who are now in retirement. I know that's probably a very broad. Um, it's a broad. It's, it, it is a broad. But some of them, as you say, would have had super. Um, some of them wouldn't have had any super. We've got yep. people yep. in situations that perhaps have gone through divorce and their super's been halved. Um, and it's really hard when you try to draw a line across the middle of of Australia. But the average person in retirement has, you know, between two and four hundred thousand in super. Um, and has access to the pension. 62% of people over the age of 67 in Australia actually draw some form of the pension. Mm -hmm. So it's not a dirty word. It's actually something people can learn to navigate, which I I cover in the book, and get a feel for how to get the best bits of it if they're eligible, Mm -hmm. right? We can navigate all the systems of retirement and learn how to do it with as much as we have. We don't have to have a squillion dollars to have an epic retirement. And I think that's something that I really felt passionate about when I wrote the book was just teaching people the tools, the tricks, the systems, the ways Mm -hmm. to navigate because a lot of it's driven by you. It's driven by how much you get out of your own way, how like it is in the whole of your life. If you, you lock the door to the outside world and your curiosity is low, you will not be living as much of an epic life. Well, right, and longer, better lives are created through all of the complexity mm-hmm. of exercise and, you know, purpose-seeking and, and those types of things as well as through the amount of money you have to spend on it. But, look, it's not just enough to say, oh, well, I pay my super every month. That to really have an idea of how long I can afford to live post-retirement, mm. for me that was yeah. the biggest wake-up call of, A, I need to either work harder now or be smarter in my savings, or have a plan in place for what that's going to look like. Because when it when it's laid out to you and says, well, you can afford to live for 10 years after retirement, it's like, 
oh no, if, if you're saying we've got not. 30 yeah, or yeah. 40 years beyond, you know, yeah, retirement age, um, that's something yeah. that we, we do have to plan for now and how you want to spend that time. It's very exciting for someone your age. Um, in, in all reality, your money in superannuation will double every seven to 10 years in value without you contributing more. Right. So if you've got $200,000 in superannuation now and you've got 15 years to retirement, you've got a compounding time period through which the money can do the work rather than you doing the work. And I think that's what we forget about starting younger. You know, it's, it's a, it's an unsexy industry, superannuation. And frankly, um, I'd rather talk about the why of retirement than the money, but it's a very important conversation. And, and if I can enable people by thinking about what they want to do with their time, so that they make the effort to put the effort into their money earlier, they will have a far more epic retirement because obviously if we want to do lots of travel and lots of those really fulfilling activities that, that are, you know, cost money, they, they come from having more money in the bank, right? But you can make a huge amount of difference not just by running on the wheel harder, right, just by focusing your attention on the right things in the right order, throughout your life to prepare yourself for retirement. And then time does heaps of the work. If you're just setting it in place and then almost shutting your eyes and checking on it every year or two, it's phenomenal what you can achieve, right? You're going to be okay. In the money. But if even with all the money in the world, you may not be happy, right? And that's the thing to remember is that without your body, you can't have an epic retirement. If you aren't healthy, you don't look after your body. If you don't address the science of aging in your life and think about how and how you might live longer and have a better quality of life, you'll be missing out, right? All the money won't save you from yourself. So I think that's it. I think the money conversation almost needs to be spoken to people younger than us mm. at this point because, yeah. I do, you know, I think our generation have been encouraged and put a lot of thought into it and it's just been a given. We've got now the generation of influencers and entrepreneurs and small business owners, that it's not going to be their main priority, but that is going to bring them unstuck. I mean, if they're not, you know, they've sort of given up on the Australian dream of having their own home, you hope that they're concentrating on the financial side of retirement. Look, and um, we are blessed that the government brought superannuation in because we are a lot better off as a country than a lot of other people mm -hmm. in our retirement vision setting. Like we, most countries don't have a system like superannuation. Superannuation. No, but again, has, if you're working for yourself, Beck, or you're, you you may know, not you're be living on aside, the no. barter system, you know, <laughs> and, which and I think a lot of influencers <laughs> might be, um, that's not going to help. No, so, yes, no. for, the, for the younger people listening, concentrate on the financial side Absolutely. of uh, your it's retirement the bit you at can this work point. On. For the older people, there's six pillars you've got to get right. And, and I dare say you can only be dropping one or two of them at a time. You, you cannot expect to have an epic retirement if you aren't thinking about at least four of those six pillars as you head towards it. Okay, well, let's get on to those because imagine you've, you've come home and you've, you've muttered those words, honey, I'm home forever. <laughs> <laughs> that worries me. Have I got my six pillars in place? Oh. So um, you've done, as you say, all this research of what an epic retirement should look like. The first topic is time. This is, is the first pillar. It is. it is. And time is incredibly important because, and, and I wrote a whole section on money and then I went, actually, no, no, it can't come first. We've got to come and put this time thing in at the front of the book. Because if you don't think about how long you might live, 
in the modern world and you take the numbers from your financial planner or the government statistics as your number, in all reality, you might undersell yourself this retirement thing. Yes, (laughs) we're going for 120, right? right? This is completely achievable. (laughs) I took the calculator on my website. I dare you to go and do it. There's a a bunch of actuaries have given me access to a calculator that you can take that allows you to put in some health data as well as some relationship data, as well as some fulfillment data, as well as you know, financial confidence data, and it spits out how long you might live, right? And and mine says 102, right? 50% of people born after 1971 are likely to live to 100, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm not sure when you were born, but it's an... 76, I'm with you. I'm 76. We're the same, right? So, (laughs) So in all reality, we're likely to get very close to that age. Now, if you plan to 85 and you slow down at 75 or 80 thinking I'm getting old, Mentally, if you aren't doing the exercise to keep your body strong, if you don't take proactive steps to stay immersed in communities and participatory in your life, what happens to you? You do decline, right? So we choose how we progress through life and how we picture this life that we live in the next phase. And a lot of the learnings that drive the pillars are see time first. Think about time. Think about how you want to spend your money during that time and then frame your life up so that it can be epic. Because epic means long, it means good, but it means it means good to young people. It means long as well, right? And and I think that's something that I want people to see as the baseline is time is on your side if you put it on your side. Don't do the exercise, probably you won't have time on your side. You won't have physicality. And you can't, with all the money in the world, have an epic retirement without your body. That's it. Right? So. I guess there were those, that phrase, uh, the ski clubs, the spending kids inheritance clubs. Yeah. And I think they were the, that first bunch <laughs> of people that realised, hey, I don't, I can, I, everything I've saved and worked for, I can yeah. now enjoy rather than I think that generational idea Before of it, leaving yeah. it all behind. Look, and I'm um, a big believer kids. in um, the fact that that shift has happened. I, I've spoken mm-hmm. to hundreds of thousands of people who will, speak about the feeling about legacy and legacy is still important to a lot of people but they still start to put themselves first in this generation and they see that they've worked hard all their lives and they've built from not as much of a class-based society where the rich got richer but you know every person could have a go in Australia through the last generation and they did and that baby boomer has had opportunity and now they have opportunity to live their life well through the the third phase of their lives from 50 onwards, you know, frankly, it's not even the third phase, it's the second half of their lives, right? And the Gen Xs are coming in as well to pick this up and modernise the whole concept of retirement as we come in and say, well, we might not want to give up work, we might want to have both, our passive income and our fulfilment from side hustles, working, businesses, things like that. And the whole generational shift in being able to do it all but choose is the next phase, I think, that we're going to see and be able to commentate. I think it's quite fun to watch the world change together. Well, because you've been studying this for quite some time, it sounds like retirement's <laughs> been on your mind for a really long time. <laughs> when, when, <laughs> when did you start deciding, hey, you know, yes, I'm doing this for now, but I'm really going to focus on the end? Was, was there a point? Was there a moment? 
Look, I ran Starts at 60 for 10 years. I started it when my parents were turning 60 and they were my inspiration Mm -hmm. for the fact that there's nothing in the digital world. I stepped away from Starts at 60 last year because I wanted to be more of an independent voice. You know, there's one thing to run a business and, and run on a wheel. It's another thing to be able to research and dive more deeply into the actual solutions and and not have that wheel of media, um, but instead be curious. Mm-hmm. And now having written the book, it's exciting to understand all of these areas in much greater detail than you get to when you're you're at the, the coalface of the, the media engine. Um, and now the pillars are something I think people need to learn about. Mm-hmm. And I'm much more focused on deeper quality education of people rather than that rush through media. Mm-hmm. Um, telling real people stories is a joy. Like this is, this is a changing world. And the only way we get to find out about it is by talking to people and asking them what they've learned and, and hearing it. And it's easier to do that as a younger person because I don't inject my own experience mm-hmm. on it. But you have learned, as again, as you said, putting that topic of time first, yes, uh, being the most important. First. We do want our lifespans and our health spans to match up perfectly. Of course, the second pillar. Health span is that the key, is the right? key. Yes. And I think, we're, yes. as you say, we're so much more aware of that now than uh, perhaps Absolutely. the generations that came before us. The, and I still think we're only at the beginning, right? There's discoveries in anti-aging science or, or age reversal science that I wrote about even this morning on one of my blogs, Epically, where overseas we're not even seeing this stuff in Australia, but they, they have reversed ageing. Have you heard the news? Our sister platform, You Must Try It, now offers one-on-one health coaching via Zoom with our team of qualified experts. Our store exists to offer you more than our tried and tested products. We want you to age well, and at the foundation of that is your health. Let me share Lou's feedback, one of our recent customers. She wrote, I still can't believe how much we got through in an hour. I was offered the most detailed personal advice I've ever had. I've been talking to all my friends about their health coaching sessions and my experience. The friends that have already had their session couldn't be happier. Thank you, Lou. So if you're struggling with a health issue, perhaps a gut, a thyroid, weight, energy or sleep issue, or maybe like Lou, you just want to optimise your health, our You Must Try It team of qualified health coaches would love to help you. They can help with everything from blood, hormone and food sensitivity testing to practical strategies so you know what to do and buy that is actually going to work. Just go to youmusttryit.com and book your appointment and let's take action to age well, my friends. There is some incredible studies and knowledge out there and I find it exciting, but I think a lot of people would find it frightening, if not horrifying, um, that this longevity, the chance of living forever is highly possible. Look, I think... I guess I've read enough about the science of aging to feel that it's a possibility, but not in the next 10 years, right? The science, the science when it's just at realization stage takes up to 20 years to commercialize through to human consumption. And so the reality is it's effective. It's likely to affect 50 year olds, but not 70 year olds. So it's just interesting to watch as it evolves more for everybody that we might be able to stop these horrible diseases like cancer, um, that we just can't see a way to through simple prevention right it, they are they are slowing they are improving but we 
we just have to watch this space because science is doing some incredible stuff and it's not going to cure us though. We do have to do the work. But it's right, but when we know what work to do and I guess that's where, um, where the excitement does come in, that it's not, we're not waiting for a cure. Well, that's, and that's what I've done in the book is I, I felt very strongly um, that it was important to talk about modern world ways to live your life very much now based on the science of ageing, the science of happiness, and in each pillar except finance, there's a science here. Like the, in, in longevity there's a science that the actuaries are driving. In finance, well, it's really the, the way the systems work that you, you need to understand in the pillars and, and, frankly, the system of superannuation, the system of the pension, the systems that sit around how to invest and what it means to get a return on your investment and how compound investing works. Um, all things that people understand in some areas of society and in others, they just haven't ever had it explained because they might not have a financial planner uh, and they might not need one, frankly. They might not have that much money to invest that they need to go and get it. They just need to learn and use their super fund and things like that the right way. But where is the best place um, to get that advice? I mean, is this coming from uh, your HR department at work? Are you meant to be sourcing a financial planner of your own? Is it just reading? Is it knowledge? Is it through books like yours? Look, I, th- I personally believe that people need a level of general knowledge about retirement finance themselves. They can't just rely on an advisor giving them the answer. It is a very important step for people who have wealth to go and get advice on how to invest and get a return the right way and to be invested in products with good advice. But I do think you also need to know how to navigate the systems because there's a lot of people in Australia that don't have enough money to justify the cost of advisory services now that there's only 16,000 advisors left in the country. And for many people, that advice statement is such an extraordinary cost. You know, they might have to pay $5,000 for a piece of advice and I don't want to scare anybody off getting it. I think it's very important. Increasingly, as the legislation moves away from the Hain Inquiry, we are going to see um, super funds offer more advice again and I want to encourage everybody to think about using their super fund, knowing that a super fund can only give certain types of advice because they are a financial product provider in themselves. But for people with not a big balance, it's still a good source of information. And for some people, it's free. Uh, some funds offer it complimentary to advise on how their fund is invested uh, into within the fund. It's a very complex world. Mm-hmm. All I've tried to do is break it down into 11 pieces for people so that they see the pieces distinct from each other and understand how those systems work. It took me quite a bit of research to, to be able to simplify it um, because I, I wanted to write this book for everybody, not for the elite or the the affluent retiree. I, I feel very, very strongly that this is information we all need to navigate the next phase and it needs not to be boring. So, well, with that, how to have an epic retirement, there is a whole chapter in there, as you say, on the topic of money and, and super. But, again, you need to know the answer to that first question of time, <laughs> how yes. much time you think well, you you're going to live hypothesis. for. Yes. You need a hypothesis, right, and it builds on each other. So then you And you could approach it a different way of going, oh, well, what do I want to do with my retirement? Now do I have enough money? But I very much felt like people need financial confidence as much as they need to know how much money. You might not have enough money. So then how do you adjust your picture of life and, and to fit better with what you can do? And I, I don't want to tell people to slow down their vision because I personally believe 
um, you build on each step here. You get confidence in your money and you say, right, that will enable me to do this much but not that much. And so if I want to do more, I'm going to have to work a little bit to earn a bit more money. I'm going to have to think about it all the way through and think about that pillar as adjustable and improvable to a certain point. And um, you can, you can work on the pension, right? There's ways to make a little bit more money that can help you have a holiday, that can help you buy buy a car, things like that that you might need to make your retirement mm-hmm. better, um, even if if you're on a full pension. It would have been very difficult to break this down into chapters and pillars because the next one being the topic <laughs> of happiness and fulfilment it all ties in with the same thing, doesn't it? You can't have happiness and fulfilment if you don't think you're going to live very long and be able to afford it. (laughs) And that's where the the whole envelope came became a framework that people could understand and that I could speak very confidently to the ingredients of. Um, And and happiness and fulfilment has a science that um, globally there's authors that have talked about the happiness curve and how we're actually at our most challenge point at 47 and a half in life. Did you know oh, that? God. <laughs> right, we're at the bottom of our happiness curve. See, again, speaking to other guests, I've just been blaming that on perimenopause. It's not my problem right. at all. I am not unhappy. I just think I'm unhappy. <laughs> right. But ultimately I'm so very in all reality, happy. It happens to men life. too. <laughs> No, it happens to men too. People can be all the way at the top of their career ladder. They can be in the middle of their life at at an extraordinary level of success and be very unhappy. And it's just something that happens where our our goals in life shift somewhere in the midlife. And we realize that climbing up doesn't necessarily make us happier, um, that we've we've slid down the greasy pole of life a couple of times as well and, and you know, felt some of those effects. And then the journey next is to find your meaningful purpose. Uh, and for some people that's found in work and for some people that's found in epic pursuits or, or hobbies on steroids or in a whole lot of different things, but it, it does get people to think more at our age and beyond. Wherever you have that sort of turning point happen, whether it's retirement that brings it on or a midlife crisis, it can be either, uh, or just simply changes in life. You know, they lead you to think about, what am I here for? Why am I doing this? And there was a whole really beautiful school of thought that came through on how transitions happen as well and how we think about change in life, whether you go through a trauma of losing a partner or a divorce or leaving a job. They're all very similar kind of adjustments to the way we have to have an ending, navigate through a middle zone of, of self-doubt and I wonder what I look like on the other side of this. And then get some new beginnings. And so relating some of the change management theory that William Bridges has built about transitions in life, back to retirement and helping people feel that they are normal as they go through this phase of kind of curiosity, anxiety, change and adjustment of their self um, is what I've tried to do in here and help people find the path to the next phase of happiness. Because happiness is built off three really important ingredients, right? It's it's built off a bit of hedonism and the, the simple joys of life where you smell the roses and you eat the ice cream and those things. But that gets really boring after a while. Isn't that what retirement uh, is? Eating all the ice no, cream you want and not. smelling the roses? No, we're meant to be busy. No. no, no. In fact, I would egg you on that that's the way to get it in your everyday life sim- mm. simplistically. But that becomes boring after a while. If all you're doing is the little things, they become monotonous. You need to then look at what actually drives your sense 
of purpose. And for a lot of people, they've developed a core skill over their whole life. And we could take you as an example, Shelley. You you speak to people, you speak to audiences and explain and take them on journeys and teach them things, right? How would you take that skill with you into the next phase of life if you weren't needing to earn money out of it, but you still have it? I'd be doing this. I'd be doing the same right. thing. And you might not get no. paid for it, or but you might still do it, right? And the, the, the conscious thing is if you're an accountant who's worked in accounting all your life, what could you do with that skill that makes you feel valued, that puts you in the zone, that makes you feel happy, that you, you don't need an income from anymore? It's not your primary goal in life to generate an income to keep the walls, keep the, the roof over your head. So now you get to choose how you fit it in. Do you do it for a charity that you feel really deeply purposeful mm-hmm. about? Do you only do the bits you like and leave out the bits you don't and get someone else to do that bit, right? And we start to move towards a type of purpose in life that has a different type of meaning. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we can't imagine it because we can't imagine not having to work for a living at this stage of our lives. But that's where they go. Mm-hmm. That's where this generation goes. And it's exciting because happiness is built off choosing. Well, the Japanese have a word for it called the ikigai, and it is about finding your life's purpose. And they just happen to also have some of the um, greatest population of centenarians centenarians, um, in the world. So the the sooner you can find your life's purpose, and I guess Mm. then it's your choice when you transition from that being uh, a monetary driver to just your life's purpose um, is really interesting. So instead of it being, I guess, your midlife crisis, we should be considering this your midlife glow up, shouldn't we? I, th- I think so. And, and I, I actually have a real passion about the midlife being the discovery period for this, because if you get all the way to retirement and you haven't figured it out because you value yourself by your title and what society values you, values you as rather than you valuing yourself at that. I think they're some of the hardest transition points people go through. And you talk to particularly men in big jobs where the job stops and and women increasingly now as well where the job validates the the person and the person validates the job. In, in many ways it's a two-page, two-part cycle. But they get to the other side and they have what's called relevance deprivation syndrome, which was coined by one of uh, the people who helped me with the book, a financial planner who got to the very top of his game. Uh, and we talk about this syndrome being something that people can really not see that they're having mm. when they're having it. But you get out of the workforce and then you, re- you realise the workforce doesn't need you. In fact, it just keeps going and all your social networks are back there going to work and you're over here isolated in the world you haven't created yet and you have to decide to get out there and create that world. Now, you can do that while you're in the workforce and prepare yourself for retirement and part-time retire and find hobbies and things to do alongside your work earlier in life or you can work right up to D-Day, cut over and go into that shock of having to navigate through and sometimes it's even harder for the people around you to have to live and watch you struggle deal with you uh, as well I've got some fabulous stories in the book of wives <laughs> who've been very frustrated with husbands uh, where I interviewed the husband and the wife separately and it's a really fun story because uh, it all comes good in the end well that's good yeah there was a happy ending with that one but I think going yeah. back to what you said before of actually there's no reason to give up what you do when you retire and I'd never really thought about it like that I think I've always thought of retirement as okay well that's the end of that now what do I do um like yeah. oh am I going to take up tennis or bowls or golf or travel but it's yeah. like no 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 well it just means as as you've been saying all along in this conversation it's just when you 
choose to keep doing it or not. So even if you retire from accounting, for instance, no reason yeah. why you can't still be an accountant for a more philanthropic purpose for a charity Absolutely. that you're passionate about or your bowls club or um, in your, you know, your lifestyle community of offering that advice to people who perhaps yeah. didn't have it before. I know guys I've that have really gone and con- run the bars. Yeah, I never yeah. really considered that. And I, I encourage people, there, there's two ingredients to it, right? There's epic pursuits, which are hobbies on steroids mm-hmm. and you need to have things that you do outside work, right? We all mm-hmm. do. And in COVID, I realized that I worked worked for all my purpose. I'm very passionate about talking to over 60s, right? Back back then. And for me, listening to stories and telling stories was just my whole life. I built a rose garden. I got, <laughs> did things in COVID that I'd never done, right? And developed passions that I wanted to improve my knowledge on. And I think that's the key. It's not just mm-hmm. a hobby that you go and do. It's something you want to keep investing in. You might do tennis but take tennis lessons mm-hmm. to get better mm-hmm. at it golf lessons to improve at it you know set up a rhythm and a club membership so keep learning buy learning, equipment not just doing. keep your brain growing right yes. that epic pursuit part and you need three to four epic pursuits the research says not just oh. one because everything you take on also has a group of people usually that comes with it unless there's like more sedentary activities like reading and even then you can book have book clubs, clubs. yes but they bring people around you and the people around you become your tribe. And when you've left the workforce, you do need tribes, right? They are very, very important. And the more tribes you can have, well, you need the right types of tribes. You need people like you rather than just people, mm-hmm. people that you really meaningfully relate to. The, the Harvard study of adult development talks about how we live longer if we find and interact with people regularly. Uh, and people who isolate themselves don't live as long right? So we've, we've got to do this, right? The other ingredient is that thing that puts you in the zone. And we know from our work days, the thing that makes time run away, the thing that we just don't see time when it goes like magic. Mm-hmm. And that, if you can kernelize that and turn that into a purposeful activity that you do regularly, that's another thing that creates meaning in life. And, and they're, they're the keys, right? If you see that as your creation of happiness pathway and you're now, as you head towards retirement, basically on a path of experimentation and curiosity to find these things uh, and dig in. Your co-op, your creation of happiness pathway. I've just written that down. I love that. <laughs> that is fabulous. Well, we want to live happily in the next phase of our life and it's all choice, well, right? It's no longer obligation. And I think you've got to say bloody oath I've earned it. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, and if you've found a way to get the passive income, whether that be from a combination of the pension, your superannuation, income from investments. Maybe you draw something against the value of your house, right? And people think I'm saying a dirty word when I say that, but it's not. You can get a reverse mortgage and access some of the funds as as an income stream. There's all different ways to use money to get to the outcome if you don't need to leave a legacy of your family home at the end uh, so that you can live an epic retirement. And for a lot of people that would incorporate travel perhaps it's something they wanted to Mm. um to to grow on from the time they've had or the trips they've had perhaps it's absolutely the time they've never had the time or the or the free finances to be able to do that before but I know for a lot of people travel is not even on the list um which always surprises me because I'm very passionate about it too but for the people who (laughs) do love travel and and it does become that time and that bucket list once again it goes back to the fact that you want to be fit enough and healthy enough and cognizant enough to actually be able to do it and enjoy it and I I start the travel section with this fabulous story from uh, a lady 
in the business community here in Brisbane who is 58 and she's in the process of retiring herself because she wants to travel while she's fit mm-hmm. and healthy and young more than her company would if she was running a company, more than her running a company would allow her to do. So she needed to move to more flexible types of work so that she could call herself part-time retired and travel. But she wanted to take really physical holidays and her mentality was I've got 22 big holidays in me left. I'm 58 now. And I want to make the first 10 of those trekking mountains, climbing stairs, carrying a pack, doing stuff like that. And then when my body starts to decline, I'll take on more driving holidays, more less physical holidays where someone will carry my bag or someone will lift it up the stairs. Somebody will move me into my hotel room when I need to and I can be tucked up in bed at night. But that attitude isn't for everybody. There's plenty of different travel operators around to fit your physicality and need. I just want people to be more aware of the fact that they have this opportunity to see people like them in travel, physical or not, and find that way of travel for themselves in this phase of life. But that's also a great way to plan because it's a big wide world out there mm. and no matter what you're into, I've, I've always envied those people that um, are either scuba divers or golfers um, or, mm. or surfers, whatever it may be. If you've got that passion, that often drives you to your travel destinations yeah. and, and your holiday locations. For people who just yeah. want to see the world, you don't even really know where to start, but I love the way that this person has broken it down. Okay, so I've got 10 years of physical travel left in me. Yeah. Um, Prioritise yeah. that, and it might mean you're doing back-to-back physical ones rather than, than breaking them yeah. up, but you know you've got some sedentary my, my sedentary ones in your future. I think that's a wonderful yeah. way to plan. That, and you, it's nothing to say that you can't have a cruise and a and a hiking trip in a year, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the mentality she's gone into it with is an interesting one and I wanted to capture that at the beginning of the chapter on travel because having run travel at 60 for, for six years, um, I felt I knew exactly what this generation mm-hmm. books, right? I know exactly what they buy and where they want to go in order and so I was able to provide that really intuitively to people and the, ho- the bucket list holidays are are fabulous and I think it's important to recognise the physicality of each one that you can do it with or how you can downscale it by using a tour operator that bridges some of the gaps if you aren't as physical um, and don't want to climb in and out of rubber duckies in Antarctica, then you've got to think about the fact that when do you want to do Antarctica? Do you want to do it while you can climb in and out of rubber duckies and and see penguins up close or do you are you happy to see it from the ship? Right, it's it's a very important part of deciding the order. You know I'm passionate about prevention and testing. That's why I have to share my recent discovery with you, Mermaid Beach Radiology. This company is dedicated to preventative health care, understanding the importance of early detection. They specialise in whole body MRIs using their state-of-the-art 3T platform. Now, this advanced technology offers greater sensitivity in detecting and catching potential issues before they become serious. Mermaid Beach Radiology provides the most accurate detection available. Their 3T whole body MRI gives you peace of mind, empowering you to take control of your health and make informed decisions about your well-being. Remember, prevention is the key to living your best life as you age. Mermaid Beach Radiology is your partner in proactive healthcare and ageing well. Visit mermaidbeachradiology.com.au to learn more and take the first step towards a healthier future. Let's pick your brain here because you do have this wealth of knowledge. Where are the bucket list 
places oh, these well, days. I'll have to get the book out now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, the the number one bucket list holiday um, international. So the, the list gives us an international holiday list and a closer to home list because I think a lot of the time you can get better bang for your buck closer to home. Um, but the Great Lakes and the Rocky Mountains of Canada Ooh. and the Inside Passage of Alaska is a holiday people do as one, mm-hmm. all boiled up, and you do that beautiful Rocky Mountaineer Rail yep. journey over the mountains. You stay in the Fairmont Hotel with a lake view room if you can afford it. Uh, I mean, it's the yeah. dream. And, and, and there I, are some amazing um, packages and companies that, that oh, you know, tie fabulous. that in a beautiful big red bow for you, don't they? And you get the and you get the crews up and you have to go at the right time of year. Mm-hmm. And I, I lay all that out there of who the operators are, you know, what time of year should you be doing this to amazing. get the, the ice and the snow at the right yeah. point so that you can cruise up through and, and what mobility level is it? Because I think that's also something we got to talk about more. Yeah. If you if you're going to have a body that does eventually get to that aging state, you, my dad was is 76. He was jumping into the Arctic Ocean last week in Iceland, <laughs> um, and you know he's very fit though. He goes to the gym two two hours a day because his body is something he wants to keep working as long as he can. So. Um, uh, the joys you know, of retirement, that, hey? He's got the time to do that. <laughs> exactly, yeah. right? I'm lucky to have very good examples. The second one on the list, Amsterdam to Budapest Central European River mm-hmm. Cruise. I think that's a, that's actually quite a low mobility holiday. You can hop on bikes and, and they use e-bikes mm-hmm. now for you to travel around on when you get to the villages and you can hop back on and off that ship every day mm-hmm. and cruise the canal and it's just beautiful. I'm sure you've seen it in your time my mum's done uh, that one a couple of times actually she loves it she is very much for your I call them soft adventure um as mm. far as they go you can you can dive in or, or pull back as much as you like and even yeah, you know on the trip you can be as physical or as um sedentary as you like day to day you've got those choices so yeah, yeah I think the world is really set up um for the it's doing the a great nomads job of it, isn't these it? days they are they're yeah. doing a great job yeah. I was just interested to see what yeah. what the top picks were still whether they were the same as they were in my travel days yeah, and, the, and the third one is is cherry blossoms in Japan Ooh. and and there's only one week of the year that you can go uh, and from Australia, it's a very highly sought after holiday um, to see those beautiful blossoms in action and all the ceremonial activity that goes on in that one week of the year. So that one's the third one. And then we go over, let's go to the uh, the closer to home, Yep, which I think is beautiful. It's um, all about as your, well, your nomads, your caravanners. No, because there's another whole list for oh, them. Right. I did uh, I did the research on all the road trips around around Australia and internationally that are sought after because I just felt it was really important to put this on paper. I couldn't even find it on the internet. So I had to really work hard to put some of this content together to make sure that it was robust. Do you think used to be um, TV shows about this? <laughs> oh my god, was there? <laughs> <laughs> you should get them going. Oh, I was again. a blonde nomad for a long time. Once I was a grey nomad. Uh, some trips turned me grey than others, but yes, oh. isn't that crazy? Yeah. Well, you've got it all there. All the research it's, it's, is in this yeah. book. Um, a phenomenal yeah. amount of work you've put into this, but obviously you had a, an absolute ball researching and I writing did. it too. I, did. I wanted it to be truth, and I wanted it to be valuable to people, and I just couldn't find anything out there that did this work for people. Uh, to start them off, they still have to go do lots and lots of their own research. And I think people 
in a, in retirement actually get a great kick out of researching holidays. So I don't want to do all the work for them. I just want to start. Yeah, them just give them a conversation starter. Yeah. Um, one yeah. of the chapters I found really interesting in this, and it's something that obviously we talk a fair bit about um, on the block, is homes. Um, oh, houses yes. and homes and, and homing has changed so much. Um, mm. And obviously to start yeah. thinking about that again long before you retire, if you're about to purchase your forever home, if you're, if you're building your forever home, and what that actually mm. looks like now is, is very different to what it did in the past. And is there a forever home in this stage of life anymore? I actually challenge the fact that think about the whole stage of life up front before you get there mm-hmm. and be selfish, right? Because your kids might want a legacy, but frankly, if you live a long time, is it better off you choosing the life you want to live and the homes you want to have during that period for you and seeing if you have a bit of money left over to, and and I'm personally of the belief that maybe legacy is the wrong language, that if you have plenty of money and you want your children to have something, do you want them to have it when they're 50 and have already traverse the hardest pathways of getting on the home ladder or do you want to gift them or loan them money earlier in life to help them up the mountain uh, and actually just help them at the meaningful points rather than leaving it all till the end and not seeing the joy that it creates in your grandchildren's lives and and the calm that it creates in your children's lives Very <laughs> right and, and that's a bit of a challenge to yeah. the modern thought process yes. right of of money but The one I really want people to think about is your first home in retirement is often, and this is a generalisation, I I conclude, a lifestyle house, right? A house where you choose after the kids are gone and you don't need to keep maintaining all those bedrooms to have the life while you've got the physicality and the fun in you that you want to live. It might be a lock up and leave house so that you can get in that caravan and go, or it might be a beachside apartment, or it might be so that you can walk along the ocean every day. What is that to you? Think about that, but then think about the fact that there might be a different period of life where you might want to lock up and leave when you're a little bit older or a different style of home in there that might fit your need better or you might want to move back towards where your children are and and that's not always, you know, an easy decision to move away and then back. And then there's the phase of life where one partner might pass and do you want to think about where you're living before that so that and and I I have heard a beautiful story just recently where a fellow who knows he's not in as much good health he and his wife have moved across Australia to live closer to his daughter and she doesn't know it but the son knows it Mm -hmm. that he's doing this so that when he passes she's well anchored in a community Mm and living her life well and they've already downsized out of Sydney and the, the the mountain of stuff they have to get rid of is done. Wow. And she's happy and settled and she doesn't then have to uproot herself after. Um, so, so there's all these horrible considerations. But then you've got community living and at what stage of life might that be interesting? My in-laws are moving right now into a lifestyle community and I couldn't be more excited for them because they get all these extra benefits in their 70s of community living, um, you know, listening to them sell it to me is just fabulous. Oh, my right? goodness. They're, they're telling me what they're yes. going to get there. Their water aerobics, their pool, their gym, yes, their this, but then their there's that, the their community club, their bar, the because those, men's yeah, club. Yeah, those, those <laughs> lifestyle resorts and my mum moved to one and she's just moved to a second one. It was interesting because, you know, they're sort of over 50s, which, again, is a really mm. – 
as you're saying, plan what you want in your housing for the future because even at 50, yeah. if you're still in the workforce for the next 10 years, but that was your investment and you're in this wonderful safe community with people, um, yeah. you know, they're not, they haven't got kids next door to them or babies crying, you know, all those things that you want in a neighbourhood. And for my mum it was a safe environment. I think she moved into her mm. first one. She was sort of early 70s and she was one of the young mm. ones. And so um, the average age of entry is actually into a lifestyle community is 68 at the yeah, moment in Australia. Yeah. Retirement communities are a bit different. And I explained the difference. They look the same and people perceive aged care to be somewhere in there. And that's nothing to do with it. Right? My mum won't go near them because she, she absolutely thinks it's all aged <laughs> care and you're sending me off to the to the keepers yes. well before my time and and I just can't break that up. No, it's a lifestyle um, community. It's oh, a lifestyle God, resort. But even our retirement community, they have a role to play as well, but they have a role to play the average age of entry is 76 because you need a little more care and support. You have to expect a payment model that has a slightly different ramification financially. But in a lifestyle community, you can live in there as long as you want in life. You could live 30 years in this house mm -hmm. And have a great life and people around you that are like you um, and there's lots of benefits yeah. right and and but community living is not for everybody only about five percent of Australians live in a six percent of Australians live in a community uh, but it's growing there's waiting lists of two years interesting long. though we all live in a neighborhood but we refuse to mm. acknowledge <laughs> the neighbors around right. that could be a community if we wanted it to be right but when you're when be, you're buying into a community you're investing in the people that live there i think in a, mm. in a neighborhood you sort of yeah. know there's the safety of having someone but you have you have schools and you have yes. things that you join that community mm -hmm. for once you leave work you don't have those in the suburbs right as much you do have community centers you can go to but i think we we as a society have lots of things in our suburbs that we move to a specific suburb for and we live in that specific suburb to get and I, I egg people on to think I think we all learned in COVID just how valuable other people mm -hmm. were in our lives and how lonely the isolated mm -hmm. were uh, and it's a great way to make friends right, and have things to do every day. My goodness and, and a lot to look forward to then if you're not really into your travel or you're not into there's so many activities but or travel or together, travel together right? or they travel together they go on trips they do outings they and it's not it's not old you know some communities are brand new anyway we're getting we are, too, we are, too far I, in the rabbit hole but <laughs> the uh the the journey is and then so the other part of your home as you age is you need to see far off in the future the period of life where you get frail frail is frailty is the only stage of life we should be afraid of in retirement i talk in the early part of the book about five phases of retirement there's pre-euphoria the the pre-retirement phase euphoria or oh, sorry adjustment the the phase of adjusting into retirement and coping with the change euphoria which is literally the hedonistic phase of i want more give me more this is so cool right you found your your zone you found how happy you are then you have post euphoria which is where you get a bit more settled you need to be more comfortable in the communities around you 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 know finding things to do that are more rhythmic and regular and and there's nothing wrong with that phase of life it can go on for a very long period of time um you've just stopped living the wild hedonism of the early phase of retirement and then you've got frailty right at the very end and if you're doing your health work frailty doesn't go for very long right and and hence we shouldn't be that afraid of aged care in that mm. case because the only time you're likely to need aged care in your life is at the very end and only eight percent of Australians will actually end up in aged care because there's only 220,000 beds in this country oh, and we have this big thought in our mind that it's we'll all mm. end up there and it'll cost us all a million bucks mm. well you pay by the day 
right, not by the year. And in all reality, that million dollars is a bond, not the amount you pay. You pay by the number of days you stay there. So understanding the systems of aged care and home care, and I think increasingly we all need to understand home care services because if we can be settled in the right type of home by the time we get to frailty, we can actually be cared for in our home for most diseases other than dementia. Mm -hmm. You know, it's only at the very end when your mobility goes. So I just want people to understand how they navigate this phase of life in their heads because I know when I'm talking to you at retirement, they don't want to know all that. And so for me, it was a very hard section to leave out or put in, but I feel your home as you age is something you just need perspective on because every time you sell and repurchase a house, it can cost you fifty to dollars to $100,000. Right. And for people who don't have heaps of money, that's a crap load of money, right? It's, it's, we can make clever choices by just thinking out those decisions along the way. Beck, there is so much food for thought in this book, How to Have an Epic Retirement. I think it's one of those ones, if we read it now in our, in our you know, <laughs> midlife, I think it's wonderful that it's almost like a reference, that it'll sit on your bedside and you go to pick it up and flick through it again in 10 years' time, almost like, you know, Kaz Cook's fabulous one about um, puberty. It's kind of that thing you're going to go to often, and and retouch hopefully, with, hopefully. Um, and have those conversations again, perhaps with your parents or your kids about what does this all look like. Um, I think it is a wonderful place to start, and you're never too early to start planning for your retirement and how you want that to look. And I think it really does need to be quite a well thought out, considered, and and talked about plan that gets put into place. Um, how to have an epic retirement. Beck, thank you so much. Um, thank you for unpacking it. I know there's a, little, a lot in there for there's, everyone. That's what it, that's looks, what like. it looks like. It's a beauty. Um, what's the one thing you'd like listeners to do today to start planning for their epic retirement? Um, I, I think you start at the first step. Just start thinking about your longevity and then maybe go do the calculator and surprise yourself at how long you've got to live and then start thinking about who you want to be in that phase of life. That will drive a lot of the next steps because if you start to think about it, it'll crystallise and then you'll want to put the boring plans in place, right? You've got to have a picture to want to put the building blocks. It's like when you do a house on the block, right? If you don't have that beautiful picture that you're heading towards, it's very hard for people to put the mechanics. I know our audience is going to want to reach out to you and find you. You're (laughs) making retirement sound really exciting as opposed to frightening. Where can we find you? Uh, epicretirement.com.au is is the website and you can find all the different things I do there you know the the newsletter the podcast and the book you're a busy lady and we really appreciate your time thank you so much Beck we'll chat soon thank you what a fabulous chat I can honestly say that is the first time that I've had an in-depth conversation about retirement and I'm sure I'm not alone there it was an absolute eye-opener For me, it highlighted the need to give this topic of retirement the attention that it deserves. After all, the earlier we start planning, the more likely our retirement will be a fabulous time in our lives. And we all want choice and happiness during those, what, 35, 40 plus odd years of retirement. As Beck suggested, begin with the hypothesis, how long will I live? Scary, I know. But work backwards from there, covering everything from money, health, happiness, travel, and of course, home. And considering I've spoken about living till I'm 120, that is a lot of years for me (laughs) to think about what am I going to do with my time? Uh, Beck, thank you for spending your time with us today. I'm going to duck off now and investigate some epic hobbies 
and of course, look into my super. I hope you've all enjoyed today's episode. Please help us by sharing this with your loved ones and of course, sharing with us your thoughts on what your retirement is going to look like. This is one big party as far as I'm concerned and hopefully we will all be there to be a part of it. Thank you so much for being a part of the Aging Project community. Let's age well or retire well, really bloody well. Until next time, I'm Shelley Craft. I'll catch up with you soon. As always, the Aging Project podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes. Always seek medical advice from a qualified practitioner.